0: Welcome to another episode of the Let's Go Hockey podcast. Today we had on CJ cease of the Winnipeg Jets organization. Uh, you name it this guy did just about everything in college hockey and now he's working his way to the NHL gotten his last uh, his first NHL game uh, this season and it was a pleasure to have him on. I am your co-host Danny Heath and with me as usual is. Pete Cameron, Elevated
1: Hockey. I am uh, excited to be here, Danny. I'm excited to get this uh, episode out there. It was, um, this was one that was recorded a little, uh, I was up in the Northwoods of Wisconsin. So you can hear that Danny kind of took the lead on this one as uh, my internet did not work that well. So I was, uh, I was happy to be part of this one though, because, because the reason of this is that CJ has an awesome story. He's a great hockey player. He's got a bright future ahead of him in the NHL. And you know, I'm excited to have everybody listen to his perspective on the game, uh, especially in in the uh, the framework of diversity within our game of hockey. And you know, as a CJ being a black hockey player who's reached the highest level, it's really I think it's important and it's very interesting to to hear his perspective uh, on being a minority playing in the game and 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 his experience in that and his thoughts on um on the game being for everybody so i think that's a that's a great uh takeaway from this episode that i'm excited for people to listen to
0: danny what about yourself just excited for it CJ's a good friend of mine um he he's worked extremely hard for everything he has in this game and um it's starting to pay off and i'm excited to continue to watch him and his advice for coaches youth hockey players anyone involved in our game is something worth listening to so Grab your popcorn, grab your favorite snack, whatever it is, whatever it is, or or if you're in the car, drive safely and enjoy this episode. And what, what do you say, coach? I say let's go. Let's go, let's go!
2: Let's go. This interview was brought to you by our friends at hockeywolf.com. If you love the game of hockey or just know someone who does, you need to visit hockeywolf.com today. Hockey Wolf has physical locations in Montana and Washington state, but if you aren't lucky enough to live near one of their stores, you can always visit their website and place an order at any time. They have everything you need from skates and sticks to shower slips and hoodies, and for all of you coaches and organizational leaders out there, listen up because Hockey Wolf provides some of the best team sales services in all of North America. So if your team needs new helmets, maybe some gloves, boxes of tape, even some warm-up suits and training gear, Hockey Wolf has you covered. So like we always say, go support Hockey Wolf because they support us. That's dot com. And hey, for all of you lacrosse players out there, make sure you visit lacrossewolf.com too. All right, let's go to the interview.
0: Born in Forest Lake, Minnesota, where he played his high school hockey and scored over 50 goals. Let's go. Average just about a point a game in the United States Hockey League, playing for the Sioux Falls Stampede where he made it to the USHL All-Star Game and won a gold medal as an assistant captain in 2013-2014 World Junior A Challenge for Team USA. Let's go. Played his college hockey at Minnesota State University where he was captain for two seasons, the greatest college in the country where he won a ton of awards, all-rookie team his freshman year, second-team All-Star, first-team All-Star, player of the year, regular season champion, scoring champion, first All-American for the West, top collegiate player, Hobie Baker finalist, draft pick of the Winnipeg Jets, where he played his first NHL game this season. Let's go, CJ Cease. Welcome to the Let's Go Hockey podcast. How are you doing today?
3: I'm good. Thanks for having me.
1: Yeah, thanks for coming on, CJ. It's awesome to have you here. Danny just rattled off... uh, a ton of uh, accomplishments and accolades. We're excited to have you here. Uh, Why don't you, you know, what we like to do normally is just have you jump in and talk a little bit about your hockey career uh, background. You know, Danny hit some of the big high points, but why don't we talk a little about how you came up uh, in the game? Um,
3: So I guess my family isn't really a hockey family, but I had um, a couple cousins who were playing um, when I was growing up and they had a little rink out on a channel in Forest Lake. And that's where I really started playing and, kind of fell in love with the game there and kind of sprouted and ended up playing four years at Forest Lake um, and then move into Sioux Falls for two years and then Mankato for another four and now I'm up in Winnipeg.
0: It's always just fascinating me to be able to have someone on here who's played a game in the NHL like that's every kid's dream and so it's awesome so we appreciate your time. Um, We're going to jump kind of in here just to start about the importance of playing junior hockey and then taking a step back. And this was actually a guest question by uh, Corey Lieberman uh, coaches in the USHL for the Madison capitals. But he was asking, do you recommend leaving high school early or playing through your senior year? And and maybe talk about what that experience was like and then how important it was for you to play junior hockey before you went to, to college.
3: Um, it's kind of a tough question for me um because I was I actually ended up playing like I said through 4 years of high school um but my junior year I was actually talking to Green Bay about leaving my senior year um and I ended up breaking my ankle in baseball and after that I had no further contact with uh Green Bay so kind of just <laughs> dropped me right then and um but I enjoyed my time at Force Lake um I played three sports there so I was kind of tied up in that. And um, I love baseball. Um, ended up quitting football my senior year. But for me, I personally enjoyed playing three sports all the way up throughout. And um, when I finally chose that I wanted to play hockey, I um, ended up going to Sioux Falls. And I feel like that's where I really learned my game um, and kind of like crafted it uh, when I really put all my effort into it.
1: That's awesome, and you uh, you touched on one thing that uh, that piqued my interest there a little bit. I mean, you mentioned baseball, you mentioned football. Uh, obviously, you're playing hockey now at the NHL level, and so what's uh, what are your thoughts on kind of the importance of playing those other sports and how that helped translate into your success on the ice? And uh, you know, and your thoughts on, on younger players that are coming up, and you know, the difference between focusing on just just ice hockey versus uh, playing being a multi sport
3: athlete. For me, I think it was all about kind of having a um, little sort of balance, um, kind of getting away from the game for bits when I had to and coming back to it. And um, for me, I definitely gained coordination from baseball and from football and kind of those different sports kind of brought different aspects into my game. I'd say I'd like to hit from football and, you know, my hand-eye in front of the net from baseball. And um, I feel like throughout my career, and I've used everything from all three sports kind of to – um really shaped my game um so I think it's big um I definitely enjoyed it and I'd recommend it but at the same time like I said juniors is where I kind of put all my effort into hockey and where I think I grew the most so um that's where I'm kind of stuck in between whether saying to leave or stay in high school I think it's different for me for each person and each player and you kind of have to look at your own circumstances
0: For sure. And you said, you said you gained a lot of coordination from baseball, but then you also said you broke your ankle in baseball. So I got to hear the story about how you broke your ankle. Um, So I think,
3: let's see here. I was on second base and I think there was kind of like a line drive up the middle and I don't think I was supposed to be heading to third base. And I ended up trying to make it anyways. And I took a late slide into the third base and my ankle kind of folded under when I slid, and my toe caught, and kind of just snapped my ankle. Um, ended up having <laughs> surgery that night, and now you didn't I have, have surgery. Yeah, so now I have six screws and a plate in my left ankle.
0: Wow. Yeah, that's uh, safe to say. I'm I'm assuming hockey hockey's your sport. Um, yeah. So what's uh? What do you think? So I love I love hearing that. I love that you stayed in in high school for four years, and then. Made that jump to junior hockey, but what was the biggest difference? So now, now you played a few years at junior hockey, had a ton of success, made the all-star game, uh, but then you made that jump to college. What what was that like going from junior hockey to college hockey? And then, uh, yeah, let's leave it at that. What what was that jump like?
3: Um, I kind of thought the jump from junior hockey for me, anyways, to college hockey was a little bit easier from high school to juniors um, because I feel like I learned the game and how to play it and positioning and the team aspect of it and I feel like that was quite a quite a different change going from high school to juniors rather than from juniors to college I just feel like for juniors to college the players are bigger the players are faster and um, if you're working out and you're putting in the time and the work um, that's pretty easy to catch up with Um, and then kind of just learning the game will come along with it.
0: So yeah, that's super interesting, and and probably a lot to do. Like in the in the junior hockey game, like you uh, you're playing so many games, and then you get to college, and those games are kind of stuck on the weekend, so you're able to prepare a little bit more. So it kind of slow things down, and then and then you played your four years at Minnesota State University, and then made that jump to professional hockey. And what was that like? Because that's obviously going from uh, I mean, how many games is it in college hockey? I can't think off the top of my head. It's like 30, it thirty something, maybe mid thirties. I think for us. And then you go, and then you now you're playing a pro schedule, which is seventy plus games. What what was what was that jump like?
3: Um, <laughs> honestly, it's been quite a long transition for me personally because my first year in uh, Manitoba I ended up separating my shoulder and having surgery on that, so that one was kind of cut short, but. Um, at the same time, it's a totally different game going from college to, um, the pro game. Um, I went from three guys on you in the corner to man, on man. And, um, I feel like that was the biggest change and kind of knowing that if you do your job, kind of, um, everything's going to be fine. You got to trust in your teammates. And, um, if you also, if you make a mistake, it's on you, um, and kind of being able to control your fate that way, um that's the biggest difference. And of course you got fighting, you got massive guys out there as well. So I think that's a big change. Yeah.
0: For sure. And th- that shoulder surgery didn't mess up your golf game too bad. Did it? Is that is that swing fully back or do you have to adjust a little bit now? <laughs> oh no, it's back. It's back. Right on. <laughs> um, awesome. What, what's so now talk a little bit about your training just in college hockey compared to the pros like what's a what's a typical look like um, off the ice and, and preparation in college hockey versus now uh, taking the taking the injury out of it like what would it look like and maybe what it looked like this year uh, in professional hockey
3: um, in college I'd say it's more um, heavier lifting and kind of Monday Wednesday Friday before the season starts and um, more squats more jumps more of a team aspect to the workouts and um, once you get the pros it's kind of doing what you get you feel that your body needs and um and there's more games right so um you're not really working out yeah. as hard it's more staying loose and staying healthy during the season um so i'd say it's more stretching and kind of keeping on your muscle and not really adding more adding as much muscle because you're
0: playing more i think that I think that goes a long way. Like when you get to professional hockey, what, it, what does your body need? And especially when you have three games in the next four nights and, and different things like that. And um, ha, have you been able, like, besides the the shoulder injuries is it a lot more time, more, you know, not necessarily rehabbing, but more time spent recovering and, and making sure your body's right. And how much does your nutrition play into the role of, of what you do? Yeah, I think it's
3: spending time on, kind of trying to stay at your peak performance level and trying to stay at hundred percent, you're not always going to be there, but um, I think it's knowing your body and kind of feeling if you need to take a day off or take a day back and kind of gauge what you need to do, whether it's stretch, whether it's kind of get some rest or kind of go hard and lift a little heavy that day. Um, I think it's like you said, all about listening to your body and kind of figuring out what you need to do um, but I'd say nutrition plays a big part in that. Um, what you put into your body is, a, your energy source, right. And if your body's trying to right. stuck, just stuck, trying to burn off <laughs> all those fats and McDonald's, it's, it's kind of going to be hard <laughs> to take in the good nutrients. So, um, yeah, it yeah. takes dedication and kind of a little bit of, I don't know, self-control to, to really stay at it. But, um, you definitely notice the difference when you're treating your body, right?
0: So before we're going to dig into some development talk after this, but uh, what what, what I want to ask you and um, if you're okay talking about it is just, is really your experience as a black hockey player. And because uh, let's face it, and and having those crucial conversations, like our sport is predominantly white driven and you being a black hockey player and making it to the highest level. um, I, I want to know kind of what that experience is like and, if you wouldn't mind kind of diving back into your youth hockey and and kind of talking that through and then um, all the way up into the NHL and just, just what your experience has been like.
3: Yeah. So for me growing up, um, I never really thought of race as a problem for me. Um, But I always tried to play the game going through as a hockey player, right. And just being another guy out on the ice with my teammates. Um, But every once in a while um, you kind of just get knocked down a peg and you have one of those jerks I'd say throws out a comment to you and kind of makes you realize that it is a thing and, um, that people actually have to deal with it. But for the most part, I, I didn't deal with it too often. Um, and it's, I was always told by my parents, it's how you respond, right. And whether you let the person get the best of you or you come out on top and, um, not give them the upper hand. And so I always kind of just shrugged it off and kind of just viewed it as that guy's in my way. And, um, I guess, kind of work around it that way, Um, kind of just toss to the side. But at the same time, looking back on it now, I really shouldn't have to deal with that. Um, Kind of just be out of the game already. And that starts from parents um, and changing the culture of the game, right? And um, Children learn from their parents. And I feel like if you're teaching your children good morals um, and kind of eliminating that from the top down, um, that's how it can start to make a difference in our game and kind of phase that out of it.
0: For sure, and I I know you do a lot of stuff with uh, the clothing brand Unreal, and I know they they had a huge push um, after some recent events in in Minneapolis because that's where they're based out of. And I know you're doing a lot of work with them and um, seeing the the black community grow in our in our sport. And is there any is there anything that that you're kind of seeing out there, or are you are you helping out with with that kind of stuff at all uh, to be? just a voice and, um, kind of going back on your, your thought, like, I I appreciate you keeping it PG, just saying that someone was a a jerk when they're, when they're doing that stuff. And, uh, obviously there's probably a lot more there than, than what, what you said. So, so I do appreciate that. But, um, yeah, is there anything that you're seeing out there? Um, if you know a little bit about you and unreal stuff, is there, there's things like that, that you've seen that you're like, yep, this is good. This is how people can help grow the game in the, in the black community.
3: Yeah, you uh, see more and more every day, right? And um, and the conversation kind of encourages more change in the game. And um, the more we talk about it, the more change there's going to be with the, what is it, the diversity alliance coming up in the the game with uh, Vander Kane and all those guys getting together. And I think that's going to spread awareness. And I think also kind of eliminating the kind of, I'd say, the prosperity gap or the income gap and kind of allowing um, low-income families to join the game will, I think, right. ultimately create diversity in the game as well. Um, so, I mean, just eliminating different things like the income barrier and um, all of, all different socioeconomic factors that go into hockey because, you know, growing up, my family didn't have the most money, but we had enough where I was able to come to the game. But there's a lot of families of color who don't have the – the money to uh, put their kids in hockey. And if we can get programs really helping them out to make hockey more um, kind of accessible to all, I think that'll be a big step in creating a bigger diversity in the game.
0: Yeah, Yeah. I agree. And I think, sorry, sorry, coach. (laughs) Yeah, no, I want to jump
1: in there, heater, real quick with, with a thought. Um, CJ, you know, you're, you're talking through some of the, um, you know, socioeconomic hurdles and, and diversity changes that are going through the game. And, and it made me think about, uh, you know, you coming up maybe before the, the level you're at now and and any players that were, you know, acted as role models for you or people um, in the game that you, as you're coming up the ranks in youth hockey or junior hockey or college hockey, that, that you kind of look to as inspiration when times were getting tougher or, or just as, uh, you know, a minority playing in the game. And, uh, you know, because I know that, you know, I'm thinking that, Given your status with the, the Winnipeg Jets and, and the, the route you're heading and the trajectory your career's on, I think that you're going to be stepping into that role or already have stepped into that role for a lot of kids listening. And um, maybe you can just expand on, on that a little bit.
3: Yeah, for me, um, I always grew up watching uh, Jerome again, uh, Wayne Simmons. Um, so I took them as big role models and kind of led the path for us um, coming up and kind of made it seem like, you know you can do it no matter what and um you see another guy of color and be like okay he plays in the league he's good he can play and um he's another guy who just goes out shows his skills and kind of excels in the game and if he can do it why can't I right and I kind of want to be that image for younger players as well
0: yeah I love that and arguably he has Drum McGinley has the best one-timer to ever play the game him probably Ovechkin but uh so not a bad not a bad role model at all yeah, right um <laughs> And then, kind of, kind of building off of that, do you have any advice for, for young black hockey players or young, young hockey players of color? Um, I just said,
3: don't let negative people beat you down. Um, kind of always view it as the glass half full and kind of push those people to the side and realize you're playing a beautiful game and you're just another player out there along with your teammates um, trying to make it to the NHL and uh, don't let anything get in your way.
1: Well, let's CJ. Let's uh, you know. I appreciate that that information and, and you know letting us uh, talk about your experience in the game a little bit. But let's let's transition here a little bit and talk about uh, leadership on and off the ice. And uh, and we bring that up because you've had a C or an A on your jersey for probably the majority of the time you've been playing. Like a lot of different stops along the way, you've been part of the ca- You know the the, the captain core of the teams you've been on. So let's talk a little bit about what you do as a leader uh, in the locker room, on the ice, in the weight room, uh, what your views on being a captain of a team uh,
3: really are built on. For me, it's mostly uh, my work ethic that I think has gotten me into those positions. Um, I kind of lead by example. I'm not the one who's really shouting inside the locker room and kind of telling people what to do. Um, I prefer to lead by example and just go out every day and work hard. And I feel like that translates into the team. And, um, if I can lead by example, um, I try to do it as much as I can.
0: Who do you say, like, um, you might model your, your game after from a leadership standpoint and then, uh, a hockey standpoint, like you've, you've had the, you've been in an NHL locker room. Now you've been in a, you know, a top college hockey program Are there, is there anyone out there that you're like, yep, this is, this is the guy I've modeled my game after, um, pretty much since, you know, junior hockey up. Um,
3: I wouldn't say there's one specific guy who I try to model my game after, but, uh, growing up from Minnesota, I kind of always liked to watch Cal Colorbuck and he kind of worked hard. He wasn't afraid to throw the body around and, um, you know, he ended up scoring quite a few goals as well. So I always thought his work ethic, um, I always liked the way she plays on. He's the same way you can score and you can go out there and hammer guys. And, um, so yeah, I'd just say a mixture of guys who I kind of tried to, mold my game after and kind of take the best of each position in each player and kind of put them into my game and, um, hopefully be good in all aspects.
1: Yeah. I think that's an important point you touched on. Just being able to, uh, you know, em- emulate some of those players and take those attributes that, that, uh, you know, that you like and and build them into your game and and make yourself better. I think that's a good point for the listeners, whether it's, um, you know, someone they're playing with or someone, you know, at the NHL level, college level, junior level, whatever, to look at and and say, you know, I like what this guy's doing. He's finding success doing that and building that in your game. I think that's an important point. Um, But with that, CJ, you know, you – you, you kind of took all your, your career and it's kind of come to the point where you played your first NHL game uh, this, this past season or, you know, this current season as we're getting rolling again here. Um, why don't we dive into that a little bit about what that was like, your first NHL experience and, and kind of what, um, you know, what that, that, that first game was like leading up to it and how you got the call and, uh, and, and walk us through that process a little bit.
3: Yeah, so um, I believe we just got back from a road trip um with the moose and i got a call from the gm of the moose um craig eisinger and he was like hey you're being called up uh, can you be at the airport in 30 minutes and uh luckily i had my bag still all packed from the night before we got back and um ended up just grabbing a couple of things throwing in my suitcase and when i was on my way there they're like all right well we actually changed the flight um we weren't going to be able to make that one so you're leaving <laughs> tonight you're flying into." minneapolis staying overnight and then you're flying out to san francisco i believe in the morning um and so i ended up staying back in minnesota the night before my first game um i yes. got to see some friends um family and ended up flying out that next morning um took a car service from san francisco up to san jose and then um as i got to the hotel dropped my bags off on the bus didn't get to go inside hopped on the bus went to uh Pre-game skate and hopped on the ice um wheeled around for a little bit ended up getting off going back to the hotel had our pre-game meal and at this time i had no idea if i was playing or not playing or not that night um and so actually uh when we were leaving the rink to go back to the hotel backtrack here a little bit um i get in the uber with wheeler and um i was like hey wheels like I don't know if I'm playing or not. And like, I'd like to tell my parents if, so he sent out a couple of texts and he responded. I was like, yeah, um, we don't know for sure, but you might be in. So just be ready. So I really didn't have any idea if I was playing, but I kind of had an idea a little bit that I might be in, but wasn't really sure. So I yeah. called my buddies, my parents and my parents weren't able to make it out, but, um, go back to the hotel, take my pregame nap, get to the rink, and I still don't know at this time whether I'm playing or not. <laughs> and go out for pregame skate, or the warm-ups, and wheeling around, and that the, so we dump in, we go, go in for our breakout drill, right? And I'm the fourth line to go, and I find out that I'm on the left side. And this is the first time I found out whether I was playing or not that game. So I wheeled around with Gustafson and Shaw um, for the first time that night and get in the lineup. They're like, all right, you're in, you're going. Or get in the locker <laughs> after that. We're like, right, you're in, you're going. <laughs> and then, yeah, that was to the extent. It was just a whirlwind of emotions. It's kind of hard to tie everything together of when I was told exactly I was playing or not. But it was just all kind of jumbled around. It was hectic. There were injuries. And we ended up winning 3-2 to two and Hellebuck had a, I think he had 50-something saves to our 19 shots or 20 shots and stood on his head, and like, we ended up winning. Um, so it was the one to remember, that's for sure.
0: That's crazy. So you, you didn't have any idea until puck drop, pretty much. And, and right, really just... until I went out for warm-ups that's, that I was playing yeah. we were waiting for injuries
3: to come back and kind of see what would be in the lineup up until the last minute. And,
0: um, yeah, and you did well. I can remember uh, I was – watching one of our friends, Zach Stepon, uh, he coaches in the NA three here in Minnesota. And we watched a game and we we're like, Hey, a siege playing tonight. And we we're like, I don't know, let's turn it on. And, and there you were. And that was, uh, it was pretty cool to see that and, and watching, you know, one of a, one of us, one of us Mavericks getting, getting some big time play in the NHL. But, uh, honestly that seems to be happening more and more. And so, it uh, it was awesome to see that, and hopefully uh, with this reboot here and, and next season, you just see you're going to see more and more success. I know it, but to to play in the NHL, it obviously takes a certain skill set, and it takes uh, it takes um, effort and all that kind of stuff. And so, is there what kind of things do you do in the off season that's more on ice that uh, you know if, if a kid's listening that uh, wants to get better at so and so, do you have a, do you have a skill that you're like, yep, this is what I worked on last summer and made it a focus uh so i could get better at it and then is there any like specific drill that you did to, to help with that skill
3: i'd say well play um, i'd say that's a big time factor in the nhl now um being able to control the puck along the boards and um, being able to make plays off it so moving along and kind of positioning your body so you have an advantage so you can take a quick few strides and make a play um, but it's all about meat. Like I, for last summer, I worked a lot on meeting and rolling with pucks. Um, so getting pucks dumped in, rimmed along the boards and kind of picking them off the boards and taking the first couple of hard strides. And I feel like that that helps a lot. Um, and that's as simple as having a coach on the boards, throwing it down and you're starting from the net going down to pick it up and either meeting it or rolling with it around the net um, and kind of having a little bit of evasiveness and um, kind of – Evasion skills, I'd say, is one of the bigger things to work on. Is um, kind of being deceptive and kind of just figuring out what you need to do and um, in order to kind of get away from that defender.
1: I love that. You know, I didn't expect you to say wall work is what you're doing in the off season, and I think that's awesome because that's something. Uh, you know, in my my experience coaching with with younger kids, it's it's something kids just don't work on, or they just don't think necessarily that that's you know they're all working on their shot or their their dangles, you know. But that the reality is that the puck has played something like eighty percent of the game, you know, within a couple feet of the boards. So I think that's pretty interesting to hear you say that that's a, a focus point for for you, and I think that's a translates to some pretty good um, you know eye opening advice for for kids. Uh, with that, you know, let's let's jump into some advice. What you know, this is a platform where we talk to a lot of aspiring youth hockey players. Uh, you know, what would you what would you say to uh, a youth hockey player, and what kind of advice would you give them as they're trying to climb the ranks in their hockey career?
3: Probably say, just work at it. Um, if something doesn't work out right away, you have to stick to it. Um, everything's not going to go your way right away, and um, if things go go wrong for you or go badly Um, I'd say just keep keep working at your skills and kind of honing them in to become the player you want to be Um, everything's not going to go your way and um, you just have to realize that you have to push forward and push past those kind of hiccups in your game and um, work on them and the joy after you kind of complete complete those things and realize how much you've grown um, from year to year will kind of take away all the negative thoughts and kind of the hindrances that you've had.
0: Yeah, it's huge. And hockey can do so much for you. Like you don't have to make it to the NHL to, to become a better person through our game. And so I think that's huge and work at it, work at it, work at it. And then when hockey is done for you and whether that's at 18 after high school or whether that's, you know, like Patrick Marlowe playing for the next 40 years, it seems like uh, it's going to be done for you. And so I, I think that carries over into who you are as a person once the game is done. And then, um, Another big side of just kind of what what we do is just youth hockey coaches and junior hockey coaches. And do you have any advice for them that something that maybe like, you know, maybe you had a youth coach that they did this or a junior coach or whatever college and they did this and this really helped me? Is there anything like that that you can kind of pinpoint to give some advice to aspiring coaches and even youth hockey coaches that are coaching their kids, you know?
3: i just say get to know your players down to a personal level, right? Um, kind of get to know what drives those players and kind of what, what makes them tick. And, um, and I think through that, actually, like you'll be able to find, a, find out ways to motivate kids and kind of get them to really better their game. If they're down, you kind of knowing what to say to them and kind of how to get them to respond.
1: Yeah, CJ. I think that's that's huge advice because you got to lay the foundation with the the players. You know, in a coaching position, if, if you know ultimately you can't as a coach expect a player to you know run through a brick wall for you if they don't they don't respect you and they don't think you know who right. they are. And um, you know, we've talked to a lot of coaches on this this show, and you know that that's kind of an echoing statement where the play. You know, especially nowadays with with younger generations coming up, it's it's not like it was. You know, maybe when I was coming up, I'm a little older than you guys, but uh, you know, it's not not necessarily a my way or the highway coach that's going to find success in today's game. The communication is different. And, and I think exactly what you hit on is exactly true to, to those youth hockey coaches out there. You got to connect with those players if you want them to perform for you.
3: So right. I appreciate I that. A thousand percent. Now players, younger kids are responding differently to criticism. Um, and you kind of have to find ways around that, whether it's kind of lifting them up or like I said, speaking to your, your strengths and um, kind of learning how to respond to situations.
1: So, CJ, I know you have a uh, like a philanthropic philanthropic side to you. What's uh, what's your new initiative? Can you tell us a little bit about what you have uh, in the process here?
3: Um, so, I'm actually starting up a foundation. It's called the Swift Foundation. Um, it stands for Say What You Feel, Speak What You Think. Um, it's a foundation towards mental health um, and kind of a clothing brand and kind of um, initiative where all the proceeds goes towards the Masonic Children's Hospital in Minnesota as of right now and hopefully grow that and end up being uh, one of the major impacts in mental health um, in the future.
1: Um, well,
3: as we – CJ, as
1: we start to close this up, I got one little uh, off-the-wall question. So you, you said before we started recording you're in Winnipeg right now, right? Yep. And so you're preparing for the uh, the playoffs, and obviously this is a different year, different situation than any other year the NHL's had for playoff. Can you can you give us a little insight into what you got going on in Winnipeg preparing for the uh, – The the kind of the COVID playoffs here about to start in August?
3: Um, So, we're actually just in the middle of training camp right now. So, it's, I think we're on our third, fourth day right now. Um, So, it's kind of just getting our legs back into it and kind of learning the systems and kind of just refreshing our brain on um, just kind of the rudimentary aspects of the game and our game. um, But I think tomorrow we're going to start to ramp it up a bit and kind of get back into things and scrimmages and all that kind of good stuff. So, Um, yeah, we're looking forward to it and hopefully get things going here soon.
0: Yeah, I think, I mean, the world needs a lot of things and probably hockey is, is so far down on the list of what it needs, but hockey is what I need right now. And so let's get, (laughs) let's get some hockey back on. Um, (laughs) We need it. But yeah, I'm I'm it and hopefully come back with a cup, so. Yeah, that'd be great. Bring that thing back to Minnesota. Um, yeah, I think
1: uh, the people of Winnipeg would be very happy with you, CJ, as well as oh, the people of yeah. Forest Lake. Right, so I'll be in Forest Lake if you bring the cup there. <laughs> <laughs> right on.
0: I'll see you there. We'll come set up. We'll come set up to another podcast with the cup in the background. <laughs> uh, love it. We uh, so before. Do, do you have any like final final thoughts or anything that. You want anybody that's listening to hear um, before we kind of wrap things up? Um,
3: not too much. Just do the work and let's go. Let's
0: go. <laughs> Love it. Jumping <laughs> right into well, it. Yeah. We'll, uh, <laughs> well. for sure. We'll we'll keep in touch. Um, we're gonna we're gonna post every everything where to find you. Just because I know after listening to this, there's gonna be some people that. I wanna check out where they can find you. Um, what's uh what's your Instagram handle? You know that off the top of your head or are you like oh, Teddy Blueger that uh, I can't even I think of what it? Is... I can take a look at right you though. <laughs>
3: Let's
0: see. Oh, he's you looking,
1: know. he's got his phone out.
0: Yeah, cc yeah, C- fifteen. Yes, love it. We'll get that we'll get that out just so people who are listening. Cause like, like we, you and I were talking before we got on here, I think your story can impact a lot of people. And the cool thing about your story, it's probably like less than halfway written. So appreciate you, uh, you coming on and, and we'll be in touch for sure. So thanks. Thanks CJ. Yeah. I appreciate you guys for having me on. Thank you CJ Cease. Uh, honestly, a pleasure to have you on the let's go hockey podcast Uh, Whenever we can get someone who plays the NHL, who's played college hockey or coached at a high level, whenever we can get anybody who loves the game of hockey on here is amazing. But it's always extra special when you get someone who played the game at the highest level and is continuing to do that. So thank you so much for coming on. As usual, we're going to jump into our three stars of the night, our three biggest takeaways, something to hang on to and take into your own game, your own philosophies or whatever it is. And coach, why don't you start us off here with number three and two? Awesome. Yeah, I'll uh, let's start the third star tonight.
1: I'm gonna I'm gonna throw it back to where he was talking about his first NHL game and he he said he didn't know he was playing, you know, right? The guy I mean, biggest moment in in a hockey player's life, getting, you know, strapping on the skates in the jersey in your NHL first NHL game, and he doesn't even know he's playing until it happens, where which is probably the way it happens for a lot of guys, just just breaking into the lineup for the first time. But I think that, that one, I think that's kind of a funny story. But two, I think that there's a takeaway from that and that you've gotta always be ready. Right. Especially, you know, when it comes time to, to get your shot, your opportunity, whether that's tryouts or practice or or game, you know, or just in life, you've got to be ready. And I think that's a huge takeaway from, from that, uh, you know, that story he told about, he just wasn't, didn't even know he was in the lineup and all of a sudden, boom, he's there playing. So you got to take advantage of that opportunity, be ready to go when the opportunity presents itself. For sure. Second star of the night. Uh, I'm gonna pull from his his advice on coaches, uh, two coaches about getting to know your kids and how critically important that is for coaches to really build a relationship and get to know the kids that you're coaching. It doesn't matter what level you're coaching, whether it's you know just above learn to skates or college or pro or, or juniors or whatever. If you expect your kids to listen to you and play for you and learn from you and, and, and have a successful thriving program, you can't do that without building a personal relationship with your players. And I think that's sometimes that's a, you know, some coaches probably need a reminder of that. And I think that's a huge takeaway that here we have a guy who's succeeded at all levels he's been at, uh, and is in, you know, playing for the Winnipeg jets now. And he's saying, you gotta, he's not talking about X's and O's he's talking about building relationships in order to have, uh, a level of trust and, you know, commitment to each other that these kids are going to play for you as a coach. So I think that's a huge takeaway. So coaches heed that advice uh, Mm and make your program stronger and your team stronger by uh, in building those relationships with your players beyond just the X's and O's. So Danny, what do you, what do you have for our first star tonight?
0: CJ's a, he's a good friend. Uh, He's a heck of a hockey player and he's also a black hockey player. And for him to come on here and tell our story, tell his story honestly is, is huge. And, with him being an advocate for black hockey players, every, everywhere, I think his story needs to be continued to be told. And as you can tell during the interview, like talking about race and, and racism and, and things like that and diversity, it's, it's uncomfortable. And especially for me and it as a white male, and, and that's my lens, I look through it and I'll never know what it's like uh, as a black hockey player, even a black person, because uh, obviously I'm a, I'm a white male. And so, um, and it's okay for me to feel uncomfortable. And it's okay for me to do that. Um, but I just, I appreciate him coming on having those conversations and CJ and I have talked offline about it and it's helped me grow as a person. And I think conversations like this is a, is the first step into helping the world become a better place because obviously with recent events, it's not even close to where it needs to be. And it, it, if you look over recent events, it's, it's hard to say and tell if it's even getting better. And so, conversations like we had with cj and again cj thanks for coming on and telling your story but the it's a huge part and the education comes in and then raising your parents and or raising your kids correctly and just teaching them and showing them uh the way it is and and the way it should be and so uh again first star is just cj coming on and telling his story from the lens that he skates around in every day and CJ, we appreciate it. We look forward to having you coming back on. We look forward to watching you win a lot of hockey games this next hockey season. And um, yeah, if you ever have any questions for CJ, if you want to reach out to him, let us know. We ha- we have all his stuff linked in the show notes below. But other than that, hit the like button, subscribe button, and let's keep this thing rocking and rolling. Um, we're well over ten thousand downloads, and so let's continue to to keep pressing and, and enjoying this thing because it's it's not only been fun for us, but we're getting a lot of good feedback just from our listeners about how they enjoyed it. And I got uh, I got an email from a parent who they drove from Colorado to Chicago and listened to and back and listened to every single one of our episodes. So um, they're worth the listen, and they're they're not just story time. It's uh, it's a way to develop and it's a way to get better as a hockey player. So if you're serious about your game, then let's go listen to the podcast.
1: <laughs> Let's go. I love it. No, I'm uh, absolutely Danny. I, I'm with you there. I'm going to add one more thing into your your first star of the night in the in the framework of diversity and uh I think CJ is a great example of a role model in uh in our game, you know, especially for other minorities, you know, black hockey players or other minorities that um, are dealing with some adversity and coming up through the ranks, it's it's great for them to have a role model like CJ to look up to that has come in through every level succeeded at every level and has reached the highest level in the NHL. And I think that it's important to put a spotlight on those positive individuals like CJ that can be a role model for the the kids coming up. So you know that's a, a, a kind of another angle to his story uh, in 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 his his journey through hockey that I think is an important aspect to think about in the game and so cj thank you so much for sharing uh your story and and i wish you the best of luck i'm I'm excited now that we've uh, had a chance to chat to follow your career and and see you tear it up for for the jets in the future and um i think uh i think it's i think he's gonna have a long long bright career ahead of him so i'm excited to follow along but just like i'll echo danny's statements uh you know, keep let's keep rolling on this. We got some exciting guests coming up. Give us uh, any questions you have. Give us a follow, a like, share it to your parents, uh, your your teammates, your friends, fellow coaches, and uh, and reach out if there's anything we can help
2: with. For sure, let's All go, right, man. Let's, let's go. Go. <laughs> and that is another episode of the Let's Go Hockey Podcast. Thank you so much again to CJ for coming on and making time to talk to us. All of his links will be down in the description. So if you want to find out more about CJ and the Swift Foundation, that's S-W-Y-F-T, scroll down, click the links, and we will be sharing more about the Swift Foundation as we get more information from him. So best of luck there. We will be supporting him. So check out his socials and ours to learn more. And once again, thank you so much to CJ for coming on the show. As always, we want to make sure we give a huge thank you to our sponsor, HockeyWolf.com. If you haven't already, go visit Hockey Wolf today. That's H-O-C-K-E-Y-W-O-L-F.com. They've got everything you need on and off the ice. So get on your phone or get on your laptop and visit hockeywolf.com today. All right, that's gonna do it for us. Thank you again, everybody out there, for listening, and we will see you next time.